Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as premium unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. Good morning. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. Get in, call in early so we can get to your phone calls and... uh it always fills up in the last half hour of the show, and unfortunately, people get left on hold, or we don't get to answer all the questions. So, I am Bob, and right next to me is Kyle every week, and we're here to answer your questions. Give us, uh, you know, give you the top couple answers as to figure out what's kind of going on with your car, whether it's you're buying a new car, if you can find one, yeah. if you're buying a used car, which you can find one. There, there's fair. The, the lot, there. Yeah, the lots are getting full, um, especially used cars. You just got to be careful what you're getting. You don't know. You know, you either traded it in because you had a lease and it's gets miles that are up, or you uh, there's a problem with that car and uh, they needed something different, and we need to see if it got fixed before it got passed on. Yeah, this day and age, nobody's just like, you know what? Today I want a new car. Yeah. You don't see a lot of that. Normally it's, no. this thing's on its last legs and I'm not putting any more back on it. No. And I do see a couple of dealerships I drive by that uh, all of a sudden the lots were empty. Now they kind of got filled back up. Must have got two or three truckloads in of, of vehicles. And so. Start uh, calling people with their trade-ins. Now they can actually give somebody a lease on trade-ins. Yes. Yes. And then there's, uh, I see a lot, even on, uh, you know, Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, there's salvage cars. And some salvage cars are great. Other ones aren't that great. So make sure you check all that. Um, got to be fixed right. Yeah. If they're fixed right, there's pro- there's not a reason or, or that you shouldn't buy it or that it couldn't be a viable car for a long time. But No, that's the thing that we're seeing like with these used cars coming in. I mean, especially in this day and age, the mm-hmm. cars that are coming out, say the last, let's go to the last 20 years. They get in a wreck. It's really, really easy to put a Band-Aid on that wreck not fix any of the structure, just mm-hmm. hang some outer skins the best you can, throw yeah. a paint job on it. Nobody would ever know from 10 feet away. No, you, you wouldn't. You climb under that car, you can't find a structure two feet back. No, because everything's covered in plastic and covered up. And uh, you're right, it's a little bit got the Lego syndrome going on. Everything's snap fit. and uh, Oh, yeah, zip ties have just, I mean, they're... That market has increased entirely. Yeah, and you, you know when you take the front together. bumper off of a car, which used to be a horrible thing to do, now it's not near as bad. It it looks like the car's been in a in a pileup as bad yeah. as as bad as it looks underneath there. So, I'll tell you what. 
So, uh, you know, I tell you what, we got a quick call. Let's go over to a quick call this morning. Uh, Mike's got a 13 Ram 1500. Mike, go ahead. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, hey, I, I had an engine light on and took it to the auto parts store, and the, the readout was a misfire on number five. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm driving it right now. You could maybe even hear it. Um, it has uh, 117,000 miles on it, so I, I took it to a place, and they said, you know, the first place we would look is you, you got to change plugs anyway, so let's just see what that does. Uh, it didn't fix it. So then they said, let's look at replacing the coil on number five. They replaced the coil on number five. It did not fix it. Uh, then they said that's, you know, kind of, Anything else is beyond our capacity. So uh, I took it to another place, and they replaced an injector, and that didn't fix it. I know what's wrong with it. <laughs> right me. here. I got my hand up. I know what's wrong with it. So, uh, how many more parts have you replaced before we answer your question? <laughs> That's why I'm calling you guys. I want. I don't want to replace it anymore. First. Okay. First thing I'm doing, I'm pulling that plug out. I'm putting a compression gauge on it. I want this engine to run with the compression gauge on it. Odds are, these like to stick at 50 psi of compression. The lifters go flat, then they ruin the cam. They have a roller ball on the end of the lifter, and that'll break and come apart. Your problem's inside the valve train. Yeah, and then the only other thing that we found, or I found that is that there's cylinder deactivation solenoids that are underneath the, the intake, intake manifold. There's four okay. of them. There's four of them. And those cylinder deactivation um, solenoids can cause a misfire because we had this same exact thing going on. on you're a, bypassing all your oil pressure. Yep, you're bypassing all your oil pressure. It was a misfire, and um, that's what it turned out to be. Now, if those have been in there for a hundred and some odd thousand miles you're not getting them out um they're gonna break everywhere they're gonna break you're gonna destroy them getting them out and uh i, I recommend going back to a uh a, a mopar one a, a dodge version D don't get one from uh the aftermarkets yeah don't go on rock Auto okay so follow your compression test like kyle said and that will tell you if you're, you're cylinder specific if you got low compression then we know we're there Okay, the, the solenoid is not going to affect c compression. And then go next door to that one and then look at that one to see and compare. So what we're doing is comparing. Uh, Good cylinder to bad cylinder. Correct, correct. And then if you got low compression, we know we've got a problem inside the engine. If you got good compression all the way across, you more than likely got uh, solenoids underneath the intake. All right. And if you don't want okay, to... I think I have a high level of. Well, I'm, I'm driving right now, so I couldn't really write anything down. Um, I think I have a high level of, of what you said. Um, if not, I am rewind it on the someplace. podcast. Yeah, it's on the podcast. You, you can you can certainly hear it there. Oh, yeah, and, and awesome. we're and we're trying to uh, find out if we got a mechanical problem in the engine or if we've got an electrical problem in the solenoid. Yeah, in the solenoids, right. Okay, awesome. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just I'm not interested in buying a new truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if that have something, if that gets too far and you can't find it on the podcast, bring it down, leave it with us. We'll figure it out for you. No trouble on that guy. All right. All right. Thanks, Mike.
Appreciate the call. Yeah, we've been through that more than a few times, haven't we? A lot. A lot. I don't have I don't have enough hands, so yeah. uh, we can figure that out. All right, we're going to head over to Rick. Rick's got a 15 Acura. Rick, what's going on today? Okay, it's my wife's car, and she uh, is getting up there in miles where that's time to change the plugs, I guess. Okay. Uh, Radian plugs. And the, the mechanic told her she needs to do it right now. Or the ones that are in there might come loose. <laughs> I've never mm. heard of that before. <laughs> How many miles you got on this car? Oh, 90 to 100. No. Iridium plug, 90,000? No way. Yeah. They go over 200,000 on those plugs. Yeah. Uh, them working themselves loose, um, you know, anything can work itself loose with compression hitting it all those miles and all that time never seen it in a honda no i've never seen it forward maybe yeah unless (laughs) unless somebody's had them out and looked at them and and that's an easy enough too i mean you can certainly just snug them down and and uh, make sure but iridium plugs uh i can't think of the next one there's only one better than iridium i think it is i think it's nuclear kryptonite kryptonite yeah (laughs) kryptonite plug i think that's what it is iridium plugs are great they just really are they just don't wear away like the old resistor plugs um is it time to do it at a hundred thousand hundred twenty thousand yeah you'll probably gain some mileage off of it not significant by any means i'm leaving them i'm i'm probably leaving them too until i'm having a problem I'm, I'm really am. I'm probably just, if it's my own car, I'm just leaving them there. As soon as I have a, a coil failure or a spark plug failure, I'm replacing them along with coil. Okay. But as far as them coming okay. loose randomly, that doesn't normally happen that way. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. You bet. Appreciate the call. Yeah, and if you're worried about that on any car, I mean... Um, Grab if, your torque wrench, 20 foot-pounds, away you go. Yeah, away you go. And it... They got so many threads on there, they shouldn't really come loose. No. Now, back to your Ford problem. (laughs) Those do come loose because uh, of those four sixes and five fours, they decided to put only four threads in the the cylinder head. They're going to come loose. And they don't really come loose. They just blow out of the cylinder. Yeah. But we can fix that, too. No trouble. We've got all the... PhD in those. Yeah. (laughs) Why is it always cylinder four and eight? I don't know it is, but you're right. We got all the tools, we got all the inserts, we got a PhD in that. So uh we have been to school. All right, five five eight eleven tens and numbers to get in. We'll be back in a minute. Swanson here. Labor Day might be a holiday, but producer Matt and I will be live from 2 to 6 with a full recap of the Husker game and a whole lot more. Labor Day with Matt and Ian only on News Radio 1110 KFAB. All right, we are back in the Mr. Mechanic Show, 558-1110. We are Buchanan Service Centers, 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, and guaranteed brakes at 49th Avenue and Dodge. We do brakes. Stop in, see us. If your brakes are grinding, we can take care of it. So. Your brakes are broke. It ain't no joke. Yep. There you go. That's exactly what it is. So, 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I we're thinking about we're talking a little bit about the the Ford and those plugs that blow out and the fact that we we bought a kit many years ago that um, fixes that problem and solves that problem forever. You never have a problem with it again. And um, it was it certainly was a engineering faux pas, I guess is what you could call. It they sure s- was. They certainly they, they have fixed that problem since so that the newer engines that come out don't quite Plugs have don't it. come out. They don't come out. Yeah. <laughs> and they got a tool for that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they did solve that problem. Good for them, so that problem doesn't happen. That's the old trucks and the most of those are gone. But you can see them still out there. But all right, we're gonna head over to Dean. Dean's got a twenty one Silverado. Dean, what's going on? What could possibly be wrong with that? Well, there's not really a problem that I can tell, but I, I recently had the uh, Silverado service, just regular routine service at a local dealer and uh, oil change filter and whatever else they do, but wasn't much, but just standard. And it's got oh, a little less than 20,000 miles on it. Well, they had some recommendations here to do in the near future, uh, like engine oil treatment, fuel injection service, uh, and evaporator coil cleaner, which I'm not quite sure what that is, but totaling all these up, it'd be near $500. And I'm thinking, this truck's still new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the evaporator core cleaning has to do with your heating and air conditioning. Um, right. What What else was there? Uh, fuel system treatment. Fuel system treatment and the uh, injection cleaning. Yeah, fuel induction service and oil treat engine oil treatment. Yeah, I mean the air induction a, system anymore seems to be kind of the one to to start with because even though you got an air filter in there, it still gets a lot of crud and junk and the throttle bodies get uh, corroded up and that's probably the bigger one. If you run some decent fuel through it, you don't need any injector cleaner, you know. If you need closure in it, I mean, just go buy a can of. BG stuff at the parts store. Which yeah, to work the best. Yeah. Pour that in your gas tank. Away you go. Yeah, buy some uh, buy some good fuel injection cleaning, and then maybe run some premium on a couple of tanks. Uh, don't buy if you're going to buy fuel injection cleaner and stick it in the tank and run it through. You want to run it through in a full tank of gas. Don't buy the cheap stuff. Um, buy something that's concentrated. Probably cost you twenty, thirty bucks a can. Um, if you buy something that's two ninety five a can that says fuel injection cleaner, you are getting two dollars and ninety five cents. It's a can of brake cleaner. It's a, yeah. That's all you're getting. <laughs> you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, say so they're re- retailing it to you for two ninety five. Well, you're probably only getting fifty cents. Yeah, you're getting fifty cents worth of brake fuel cleaner. injection cleaning, and that's just a feel good. That's really all it is. So I, we sell it because people buy it, and you can't talk them out of it, but. We always head towards the better stuff, and, and the BG is kind of the better stuff, or probably Lucas has something too, but the better the concentrated, the better you are. And I kind of agree with Where's you. A good place? Where's a good place to find the BG? Uh, I think you know, Advanced has Advanced it. Advanced Auto Parts Advanced has it. retailer. We sell it. Okay. Um, so okay. stop down and get it. I agree with you. It's, you know, if it's 20,000 miles, it probably doesn't need that. Unless That's- you're – you're you're out on the farm. You're in the farm road. You're running up and down the farm, dirty roads, everything else like that. Then the fuel injection cleaning and the evaporator core cleaning, or the the uh, I'd probably start with the oh cabin filter, 
And I mean, know? on that truck, right. the evaporator it's, core cleaning, that thing has a huge grill on it. Go to the self-service car wash, get a, get the pressure wand out there. You can probably deplete a lot of what's in there, if there's mm-hmm. anything, Yeah, just by spraying out the grill of the truck. My guess is 20,000 miles. Oh, this is this is a uh, probably a pretty nice truck and hasn't seen a lot of hard use at all, has it? Not yet. No, it's still pretty yeah. good shape. So, yeah. Well, they'll they'll come out with lists for everybody to have, and then when you hit 20,000 miles, they pull the list out and here's your list. This is what you got. Yeah, do. that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Whether it yeah. whether it, yeah, yeah, and we've never really followed that subscribe to that theory. We kind of look things over and and say, "Okay, here's your list. Uh you need four things on this 20 Yeah, this 20. is the mandatory. Yeah, this is the mandatory. Looked at it all. Yeah, we looked at it all. Everything seems to be good. These four out of these, you need four out of twenty, and then that's kind of how we how we do it. So, yep, I like your method. Yep, yep. Not everything needs to be okay. done right away. Thanks for the info. Appreciate you bet, it. Dean. Yes, appreciate the call. All right, five five eight eleven ten is the numbers to get in. We got some open lines for you and uh, help you get your car, answer your questions, and you know a lot of these great questions. You know. Yeah, big day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I was reading some article, Kyle, you know, and, uh, of course, every not everybody knows because not everybody reads the the news, but I, I do for car. I do for car news. I got to have car news. Yeah. We all know that California has going to stop selling gas-burning cars. they called uh, by 2035. We, we've probably all heard that if you've seen the news, everything else, so... They just signed that, approved that into law the other day in California. And then two days ago, a day after they approved that, they asked Californians to cut back on their energy because it's hot out there and they don't need the power grid going down with everybody using their air conditioner. Well. So two and two doesn't seem to add up to five, does it? Or is it four? Which one is it, Kyle? The four? The five? Something is... Uh, My fingers just aren't working on this one. <laughs> so they're asking people with electric cars not to charge their cars. After, they, they, they've already signed into bill that they're not going to build combustion engines anymore. Yeah, buy a gas generator to charge your electric car so it yeah. doesn't affect our grid. Yeah, I'm not, nece- <laughs> I'm not necessarily against the electric car, but it doesn't seem like we really thought this out. It doesn't. It just seems like we're going to build all the electric cars, and we're well. Gonna it's let, easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. So I, I, yeah, that's kind of where we're at here. It is. I think that we've is. We've done it. Now we got to make up for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've also read articles too that, that Texas says uh, is has got power grid problems. They're running all their their power plants on all of them twenty four seven because they need the power and can't shut them down. So they've got regular maintenance that needs to happen to one power plant all the time. It seems like with as much open land mass and flat area in Texas, and not to mention the sun quality they have down there, I mean, they could make a million-acre solar panel you could. and not affect anything. You wouldn't even have to redirect the highway. <laughs> no, you would think, yeah, especially in Texas. And that would and compensate for too. a one-week shutdown for maintenance. Yeah, especially in California, too. Once you get off of the coast, because I lived out there for a while, once you get off the coast and go inland, you know, 30 miles or whatever, there is just a ton of land that looks like western Nebraska. Yeah. You cannot tell the difference. I mean, you could plant a there. solar panel the- there, and I mean, the only thing you'd be doing is giving the snakes some shade. I yeah. mean, and. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't affect people at all. You're right. And the article said, you know, we've got to take some of these in Texas. We've got to take some of these uh, power lines offline in order to fix them and maintenance them. And if they're running all 24-7, when one goes down, they're going to have brownouts. And they're going to have people without electricity. For a long time, yeah. And I guess the part of the problem is is that now we're electric cars at this point are right at about they were about one percent they were up to two percent they're right at about four percent of everything that's built on the average in the united states they build anywhere from about 16 to 18 million cars a year sure 18 is kind of the norm i think we're down to about 15 million at this particular point if you really up your electric cars and everybody's talking about how the grid is not going to take it well Oh my gosh! I mean, look at the look at the headlines now. I mean, you you can't even run normal stuff. Yeah, and, uh, and with the drought that's kind of happening too, um, that also. And I think the Tesla just to finish this out, Tesla over in China, uh, they run most of their grid off a hydroelectric. And sure. so they're asking people to stop charging over there because the hydroelectric and there's not water running and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, water's got to flow. I mean, yeah. you're not getting that off the Platte River these days. Yeah. So it seems like the consumer is the one that's going to take it in the end once they uh, figure out how to uh, get all this worked out. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. 558 is the numbers to get in. We'll be back in a minute. All right, we are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. Let's get that car fixed and checked out. and Off the jack stand. Off the jack stand before the football game starts. And there's other football games starting, but, you know, we're, we're only wor- worried about Go Big Red. So uh, we've got some time. That starts at 2.30, I think. So, But anyway. Speaking of jack stands. Yeah. I've got a Ford Falcon on jack stands, and you know, this week is a big week for the Ford Falcon. Is it? September 2nd, 1959, Ford debuted the Ford Falcon as a competitor to the import market that seemed to be flooding the lower 48. (laughs) Really? Interesting. Okay. Well, that was about time, I suppose, when a lot of Honda and Toyota and Nissan, which is... Saab, Volvo, I mean, they all had a foot in the... Yep, it was Datsun at that time, and they switched it over to Nissan. But, uh, yeah, the Datsun B210, I remember those little bug cars. And Yeah, yeah well, and, and they back in the day, they had a bunch of, everybody was building the land yacht, you know. Big car era. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 19, uh, well. The 1950s, I mean, I don't know that Detroit turned out anything small in the 1950s. No. Well, and then you still had some people like Lincoln had them up to the 70s. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, the Nash was about the smallest thing going. It was. You know, a little Nash Metropolitan is actually shorter in length than a Volkswagen Bug. Yeah. And you wouldn't think that. Yeah. By the time you had the bumpers and, uh, you know. Well, is it shorter than the MG? It's got to be. It is. It is. I think the Bug was one of the shorter ones. And there's other shorter ones that were out there. But, uh, you know, it's actually built kind of on an MG frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got an MG motor and an MG uh, running gear and everything else. They just put a Nash Metropolitan. It was a kit car. Kind of. Yeah. A little bit. And, you know. They never got a bunch of miles, but they're kind of cute and, and fun to drive. And, and uh, you know, there's a bunch of them out there still. 
You know, and with the Ford Falcon, had, the Ford Falcon had their own motors. They had the small six motors up until then. I mean, Ford, I mean, the smallest six Ford was, what, 250? Mm-hmm. Right. And the Ford Falcon had a 144, 170 in its first year. There was a 200 out there, too, at some point. Uh, 1965. Oh, jeez. Uh, Kyle is... He knows it. So, so if you have four Falcon questions, this is the day to get in. Yeah, today's the day. <laughs> Sucker's getting fixed. <laughs> Why didn't they, and GM didn't do it, and Dodge didn't do it, uh, but the imports all did it. They never had a straight four or an H4. I don't know. You know? They all, they went down to six, and they're saying, well, that's it. That's all you're getting, guys. Just, Wait till 2000, and we'll get you this four-cylinder. <laughs> Yeah, and then, yeah, you're right. Well, I guess they did have a four-cylinder in the Chevy Chevette. Well, yeah, was, I mean, that wasn't until the 80s. Yeah, it wasn't until the Well, it's 70. Well, I mean, the Mustang, too, was Ford's first four-cylinder, wasn't it, that 2.4? Yeah. And that boy, was the 70s. And did That was not a good car or motor or any combination of the yeah, two. Yeah, the, the Mustang had a four-cylinder. Sure did. But the American car builders built just absolutely crappy four-cylinders. I but mean, you know— crappy uh, you couldn't get much crappier here's <laughs> an interesting thing that i learned by accident about that old escort mustang 2 pinto four liter four yeah, cylinder 2.5 yeah 2.5 whatever it was just they were a boat anchor they were crap yeah but, i mean somehow about oh i'd say 10 12 years ago maybe not that long but i accidentally against my will inherited about well not even inherited it didn't come from family or any or even a friend it was i had to take these four four cylinder engines in order to get what i actually wanted oh out of, so you out were, of this barter with a guy so yeah he was trying to get rid of him too but and i was like you know what he really had he must have had what you wanted yeah <laughs> <laughs> what i want is kind of like it's like a bottle rocket like Oh, well, look what this guy's got listed. I'm getting it. And to get what I wanted, I had to take these because, one, they were in the way, and, two, this guy didn't want them at all. But I put these things. I made an ad on Craigslist. I was like, here's these. I put, like, 50 bucks on them, you know, thinking mm-hmm. that somebody would want. I mean, this is, you know, you're getting scrap out of it. Yeah. Here you go. Just get them out of my driveway. And I, not 20 minutes later, the phone's ringing off the hook. And I'm like, okay, yeah, come on down. Yeah, they turn over. Sure. Do they run? I don't know, but they turn. Yeah. Cool. I'll be there. <laughs> I was like, cool, there's another guy that's on his way too. Well, then these guys are making a deal in the end of my driveway. Well, they're midget race car guys. Love these engines. Oh, yeah. And they can't find them anymore. Oh, I suppose. I yeah. got 100 bucks a piece for them just out of these guys fighting over it. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's there's like a, that couldn't have gone any better. There's a market for that stuff, yeah, like, yeah. Load the kids up. We're eating steak for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember looking for an old uh, grain pickup engine back in the day uh, to put in my old pickup, and they were two sixty ones versus two thirty fives. Well, all the two sixty ones were in the grain trucks. Oh yeah, and in there was they, a two ninety two that was a rarer bird that came in the cab. And, and you couldn't find the two sixty twos, two sixty ones, because they all they they uh, they were the first across the scale because they were the most weight. The most weight, but uh, the racers wanted them mm-hmm. because the uh, the cylinder bores were so thick that you could bore them out and bore them out and bore you them could out, punch them over eighty. Yeah, and they still make good, and they held together. They were six cylinders, so they didn't blow up and. 
you know. So they wanted those and the GM three hundred twos. Yeah, absolutely, and absolutely. We might be getting in over somebody's head with all that, all that. Talk, a lot of numbers right there. Yeah. A lot of numbers. A lot of numbers, but uh, you know, it, with with all that talk there and the imports that were coming in, and they had four cylinders, and they were doing great. Yeah. So it really boiled down to the engineer that made it. Yeah. Because you know those those the little B two ten the the Honda CBCC the all that kind of stuff they just held together the engines didn't go bad as long as you kept oil in. I mean the Falcon was a reliable car to say the least. I yeah. mean in our area they what killed them was the rust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have any. There was no such thing as rust corrosion. It was just let it rust. Yeah. No prevention there. I mean, there's there was some form of undercoating under them. I know that because everyone I've restored, I've had to remove it. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the mud you ran through was the undercoating. So. Oh, it was so bad. All right, we're gonna take a quick break on the Mister Mechanic Show five five eight eleven ten. We got a few more minutes to get you in. All right, we are back on the Mister Mechanic Show five five eight eleven ten. The numbers to get in. Uh, we are Buchanan Service Centers, 80th and Dodge, 50th and Dodge, and Guaranteed Brakes, 49th Avenue and Dodge. Stop in, say hi, fix your car. Grab a soda. Grab a soda. Candy bars. We got it. We got it. We got it. You know, and something else we were talking about, electric cars a little bit, Kyle, and uh, this was an interesting note that I didn't really notice, and there's just a lot of interesting reading on on electric cars just because it's well, it's you can't new- really pick up a car magazine anymore. I mean, there's Hot Rod magazines doing articles on Yeah, yeah, and and they're they're trying to put the spin on what's great about the car, and and the the acceleration, the zero to sixty time is just amazing. And if you, I'm intrigued about them quite a bit because you know, as being a car guy and love horsepower, it, they go. I mean, they just go. They really do. And, and they're trying to warranty these batteries to like 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty. And they're modeling that after because that's law in California. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, or like it or not, whichever one you want to go with, is California being as big as it is and, you know, the how, how big a gross national product just that uh-huh. state has, what laws go there 17 other states have a tendency to follow yeah it trickles down yeah it trickles down and if they're if they follow kind of the the blueprint of what california throws out there so the manufacturers are saying well if you're going to sell that car in my state you need to be 10 year hundred fifty thousand mile warranty on it which is great it's, it's that's really great for you know alleviating the anxiety of what are you going to do when you buy yeah, it gives the owner and the consumer a little bit of a peace of mind. I mean, because, I mean, look at what we went through with the first era, the first gen Prius. I mean, their batteries were failing in the first three years, and that's a $7,000 fix. Yeah. People were giving up the car and going back to gas. So yeah. So they had to, I mean, those cars, they, I believe they initiated, initiated like a some crazy 10 year warranty mm-hmm. on the battery. Because well, I mean, at ten years, I mean, the car's essentially shot anyway. Yeah, it's it's all going to be driven by your checkbook. So if if it if it uh, outstrips what the car is worth, uh, and we did this article the other day about the car that uh, the guy bought for his daughter for eleven thousand dollars, the battery went bad six months later, and the and then the battery cost what? Well, no, he bought it for eleven thousand bucks, and then the battery cost fourteen thousand dollars to put in. Six months down the road. Six months down the road. So, so I mean, and then 
to, and he didn't probably do his due diligence or, or ask enough questions, but that particular car has been discontinued by that manufacturer. I won't say which manufacturer it is, but... A big one. Yeah, a big, <laughs> a big one. How's that? Yeah, a big one. So the car's been... The battery costs more than, than what you bought it for. The car's been... Discontinued. And you can't buy the battery anymore. Unavailable. So the poor guy's... Has 11, Stuck with an obsolete car all the way around. Yeah, he has eleven thousand dollar boat anchor, and I I don't know what boat anchors cost anymore, but they're not eleven grand. So yeah. you really, really, really got to go into your uh, do your due diligence. And I guess the other Kelly Blue Book is a big thing to look at. What's mm-hmm. this thing? What's the future of this car looking like? How much is it depreciated in the last two years? And what does it cost to fix a major repair? Right. And we've got a lot of electric car companies that are coming out and starting to make stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if those don't make it, because, you know, we talked about all the cars back in the day that Hoover made a car, you know. Oh, electro- you had an assembly line. You had a car. Yeah, electric or at Lux. least a golf cart. Yeah, all these vacuum cleaners um, had App- cars. You know, Apple's making a car now. I'd, yeah. Yeah. And I and they might they might have enough money to to weather the storm, but first Apple product with Windows. <laughs> yeah, the IT guys will get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if these new startup car companies that are electric and they are they're nice looking cars and cool cars, but if they don't sell enough for their product, they can't keep the doors open. And so what happens if you buy one of those cars and all of a sudden it says they decide that they're closing up shop, they're not going to call and tell you no. so that you can get your car sold so it can go somewhere else. It's just going to be on the news one day. Yeah, they go back to making microwaves and yeah. whatnot. And- XYZ is closed, and you're going to say, how do I get parts? So if they made it more universal, which is probably not going to happen, at all, um, that would probably alleviate a lot of the concern or worry. Or I think that Baker needs to go back to making electric cars. Baker. Baker made the electric car in like oh, oh, yeah, 1907, right. 1908. Right. I, president Taft was the first president with I'm an sorry. electric car. I thought you said Baker's. I didn't realize that the grocery store had made a car. I'm sorry. Well, I, give it time. I, I didn't hear give you. Give it time. No, I no, apologize. But I was watching a show, and they purchased a Baker electric car on the show. Yeah. And uh, they're driving this thing around, and I was kind of in awe of it because it's kind of a very simple car. It kind of looked like a... Oh, I would compare it to a hall closet on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's kind of one thing I kind of wonder is, is on that discussion, it seems like we're in the era or coming up on the area that we're going to get thrown way back into the 1970s. Industrial revolution again. Yeah. We're going to go back into the 70s where all we were building was terrible stuff until we finally figured it out. We got uh, Dave on the line. Dave's got an electric car question. Let me see if we can Fitch give you our thoughts. Go ahead. My question is, and you hear a lot of people ask it, but you never hear of anyone actually answering it, but do electric cars, do they pay road taxes when they fill up with electricity, or how does that work? Well, like, there we were, have to pay gas taxes when we buy gas, you know? Uh, yeah, they're working that out. I think you're probably going to have a, from what I can read, you're going to have a... We did research this on a show about a year ago. There is a licensing tax on them. Mm-hmm. You might pay and a couple hundred dollars just for that. When you on, title the car. Uh, yeah, on top of whatever you're going to pay f- uh, through your normal taxing and buying the car, 
you're probably going to get hit with another couple hundred uh, up front. Mm-hmm. So instead of paying yeah, that, because that's, that's a little bit of nothing, you know, up front, two hundred bucks. I mean, I wouldn't mind if I bought a gas-powered car and they said, "Here, give me two hundred bucks. You don't have to worry about paying gasoline taxes anymore." Oh, agreed, you know? agreed. And yeah. I know when they first started the internet, uh, buying with Amazon or whatever, they said, "Okay, no sales tax on the on the internet, just to let everything get going." And then eventually, all the businesses that you we bought had to pay sales tax that we didn't go to anymore. They all went out of business. And then they said, "Okay, now now you have to start paying taxes on the internet." So it almost seems like that uh, they knew that was going to happen, and they were just going to wait for it to to come around. Well, the states just seen that the fact that they were losing out on revenue, and we can't do that. So if you're gonna, we're gonna, we're just gonna. It's easy to pass a law when you're losing money. So yeah, uh, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> So, love you and enjoy you guys' show all the time. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Boy, that was another quick show. All right. Yeah. Pushing uh, for two hours here. Two hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah that get us Kyle. through lunch. Stop, Kyle. <laughs> all right. 558 1110 the numbers to get in next week. Get in early so that we can get to your calls and, you know, we can answer and you can get back on the road. So, I'm Bob. Kyle. We'll see you next week. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.